We're so glad you're here. I want to thank uh, Paul Shelley for cooking pancakes and uh, waffles for us before the first service. And Marlene Shahan and Mary Perkins are cooking college lunch for you. Thank God for them. Um, the me- title of this message this morning is The Tree. And Jesus has just been bombarding my heart with, with things. So there's so much for us to go to. Um, uh, Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. Um, basically, the moral of this story is nobody's getting out of here early. Okay, so make yourselves comfortable. Uh, we'll get as far as we can this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open to Jeremiah 17. If you don't, uh, you may want to use one of the ones that's under one of the seats in front of you. If you're using that, you're on page 546. If you don't own a copy of the world's bestseller of all time, uh, that is yours to keep and take home as our free gift. Um, This is the first time we've been together, uh, many of us, since the new year. So I want to wish you a happy new year. Um, Many of us take this time of year to make New Year's resolutions. So I wanted to look at what some of the most common New Year's resolutions are for 2011. So uh, here they are, uh, in order for the top 10 uh, of 2011. Here they are. Number one, lose weight. Check. Uh, number two, be happy. Number three, save money. Number four, fall in love. Good luck with that. Um, number five, get a job. Number six, read more. Number seven, eat, drink, try, or learn something new. That's ambitious. Oh, honey, Rocky Mountain oysters. I love seafood. Bulls what? What? Guess she's done for the year, right? Shoot for the moon. Okay. Number eight, quit smoking. Number nine, take a photo every day for a year. Yeah, that's what's wrong with your life. Not enough photos. Number 10, run a marathon. Yeah, that almost made my list. But I'm, I'm kind of more of an Ironman triathlete guy. Just, just running. Um, whatever your New Year's resolution is, um, whether it's to start doing something good that you haven't been doing, or um, for many of us, it's to stop doing something that's kind of draining the life out of us. I need you to get that in your mind. I need you to add that to the list because we're going to be needing it later. So get that in your mind, whether you call it a New Year's resolution or just something that's kind of pressing on your mind, pressing on your heart. You, you, you need to do this or stop doing this, or get that on you. But even as you add that to the list, I'm not really sure that that list is what's most crucial for us. And we'll see that in a minute. I kind of have a, a love-hate relationship with um, New Year's resolutions. Um, I mean, the idea of, of taking a new calendar as an opportunity to um, make changes in our lives, that's a great thing. That, that, that's a great thing you know? Um, but on the other hand, I've had 45 opportunities to, uh, to do this, to take yet another bold step toward perfection to make a major life improvement. And, and just between you and me and the fence post, for me, that, that, that progression toward perfection through my New Year's resolution, it's not working out so well. It's not working out so good for me. Um, I mean, I've had 45 tries at this, right? I I should be moving closer to it. Um, 
you know, granted, my, my first New Year's resolution, I can't remember, but I imagine it was something like, we got to get out of diapers. Because this sitting in your own mess stuff is not as much fun as I thought it was going to be. But, but like in year two and beyond, I, I think my, my New Year's resolutions have become more and more ambitious, right? But if they really worked, I should be doing better than I am right now. I should be a superhero by now. Some of you are grinning going, yeah, yeah, you're not. Well, by the looks of things, it's not working out so well for you either. And, 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 and here's the thing. Um, so the desire to change for the better, the desire to change for the better, it's a great thing. It's great. But, um, and I may offend some people here, but, but I'm a big boy. I can take it. Um, but the way that society calls us to do that, the way that Oprahism calls us to do that, the way that um, we're wired to make change for the better, the way that for many of us who grew up in the church that we've been taught and told to do that doesn't lead us to a better life. In fact, quite the opposite. It often, if we get it wrong, will lead us into sin and destruction. Even as we try to make changes for the better. And that's why it's crucial that we talk about this this morning. That's why uh, it's, it's very important uh, for you and for me to go back to the Word of God and, and have Him set us on the, on the right path. See, Jesus has a, has a better plan for this new year. That's the good news. Jesus has the best plan, and that's what we're going to look at. Jeremiah 17, we're going to pick it up in verse 7. Let's take a look. It's Jesus' plan and purpose for you and for me for this new year, okay? Starts this way. Blessed is the man or woman who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Okay, real quick, you just need to know that, that Jesus' plan is to bless you completely as you trust in him. You got that, right? Okay, so verse 8. He is, that's you, is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And it's not anxious about the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Now, now that's great. Did you, did you look at that? Did you soak that up for us to be this tree? That's great. That's good. I want that. I want that for me. I want that for all of you. I want, I want that for the community. I want that for the college. Jesus wants that for us. So we're going to take a minute to unpack that and, and see what's here. Look at verse 8 again. Look at verse 8. He is like a tree. Now, now that's you. God is using the image of a tree for, for us. So I want you to get your, your mindset that, that you're a tree. Now, if you're Chris Brueggemann, that's going to be real easy to do. But for the rest of us, just picture yourself as a tree. Now, what about this tree? It's planted by water. Now, who is the water? Jesus, don't be shy. I give you the answer a lot, like once every two weeks. If there's a question you don't know the answer, it's Jesus, okay? So Jesus is the water, the living water, okay? That is who he is. He is the living water. That's where Jesus wants us planted by him. Not only that, but he wants to fill you and bless you from the deepest roots to the tips of your highest leaves. Look, the tree sends out its roots 
by the stream. So the roots are going into, going into the water. By the stream, this is you growing into Jesus, drinking up Jesus, pressing into Jesus, running to Jesus, having ever-increasing intimacy with Jesus, having Jesus be your entire life source. That's what these roots are doing. That's us doing that. And because of that, we don't have to be afraid. Look, we, we don't have any fear when the heat comes, and the heat will come, right? You don't have to be afraid of that. When the heat gets turned on you this year, this day, whenever, when every other leaf around you is, is withering, when every circumstance says that you should be turning brown and falling off the tree and be destroyed by this, you don't have to be afraid. Why? Because your life source is Jesus Christ, right? And he's going to keep your leaves green when it absolutely makes no sense. In Jesus Christ, you're going to walk through whatever comes whatever circumstance, and it gets even better. This tree does not have to be anxious, no anxiety, in the year of drought. Now, if this is a year of drought, what happens to trees? Drought kills trees. It destroys them from the inside out. They lose their source, right? Their source of life. But because you have a source of life that is never going to quit, that is never going to leave you, that is never going to forsake you, that is never going to fail to fill you, You're not going to have to be anxious. You don't have to be anxious in the year of drought. Why? For it does not cease to bear what? Fruit. Yes, fruit. Now, if you are 50 years or older, when I say the word fruit, you're probably thinking of what? Prunes. Prunes, right. Right, right. They call it, what, dried plums now? They're not fooling us. They're not full. But if you've grown up in the church or if you're familiar with the scripture, when I say fruit, when the word says fruit, what are you thinking about? The fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit. And we, we find out what that is in Galatians 5, 22, in the beginning of 23. Now, many of you are familiar with this, but even if you're not, these are small words. Read it with me. Let's do this together, okay? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? These are all great things. These are all great, great things. Great list of stuff to be continually filling your life, pouring out of your heart, overflowing with every word, with every thought, in every relationship, at your work, in your neighborhood, with your friends, with your family, in your marriage, in your classroom, everywhere. That's it. That's it. And I would venture to say that if you have your New Year's resolution in mind, that thing that you want to do away with or that thing that you want to cling to and make part of your life, that this, it, it, it's contained in this somehow. It's contained in this somehow. Even some of your twisted resolutions. I'm looking to my left a little bit here. Like stop drinking before noon, you know, or, 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 or something like... Uh, Stop getting tattoos that I don't remember getting, right? Or get better at World of Warcraft. I don't know what it is for you. But whatever it is, chances are if it's a good thing, it's contained in this fruit. So we want to bear fruit. We want to bear fruit. It covers it all. Now I want to ask you the question again. Is this pouring out of our lives in every aspect, in every way? Is this 
what is weighing down every branch. We're just, we have so much fruit. We don't know what to do with it. People are eating it. It just keeps growing back. It can't be consumed. We don't get tired. Why? We're not the source, right? Do you ever see a tree just go, trying to squeeze out fruit? No. When it's nourished, when it's nourished, when it's connected to the life source, fruit is, is the result. Now, fruit doesn't give the tree life, right? If you see a tree here that's barren, and you see one here that has fruit on it, right? The, does the fruit give the tree life? No, it's evidence that the tree has life, right? Okay, so don't get those two confused. But we have this fruit, and I'm wondering, is this the sum total of your life and mine? You look at that list. You look at that list. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Of course, we all, we all desire that. That's, that's a beautiful life. But is that what's weighing down every branch of our lives in every way at all times? And I'm looking at that, and I'm saying, if you're anything like me, and I know I am, you're not passing this test. In fact, the Bible would say, ain't none of us passing that test. You know what I'm saying? I broke most of these before I got here this morning. Let it press on your heart. You probably did too. Now, there, there might be somebody out there who's this hyper-religious, rule-keeping type that says, oh, I would pass that test. I would Seriously? No, especially not you. Because now... You don't only get an F, you get a zero. Because in addition to not being all this, you're a liar. You're a liar and a self-righteous fool. Now, don't, don't be too offended. I'm just reading you the Bible, essentially. <laughs> really, this comes from 1 John. It does. 1 John says if you say you have no sin, you're just fooling yourself. You're not fooling Jesus. You're not fooling any of us. You're making Jesus into a liar. You're a fake Christian, and nobody likes you. Okay, I'm busted. That nobody likes you thing, I threw it in there. But all the rest of that, all the rest of that is in there. Look it up for yourself. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. That's what it says. If you think you're passing the test and there's no problem... You're a liar. You're making Christ a liar. You're fake. It's in there. And your mom might still like you, but maybe not. Okay, so the point is, you, me, and Billy Graham, we're all busted. We're all busted, right? And we're going to change it this new year, right? That's our, that's our mindset. Things are going to be different. Things are going to be different. Now, Here's where we get completely jacked up, um, and it really doesn't matter uh, who we are. If you're here and you don't yet believe in Jesus Christ, you wouldn't describe yourself as a Christ follower, you've never surrendered your heart to him, that's okay. You're most welcome here. Hang out with us. Eat. Uh, study. Um, let Jesus speak to you and press on your heart. But that could be where you are. Or maybe you grew up in the church and, and you, you know, You've been doing the right things in your mind or what the church tells you to do for a long time, your whole life, and you think you're following Jesus. Or maybe you're bi-spiritual, which means you swing both ways. New word for you. Um, that means, like, 
You come to church on Sunday, and you know the act, right? You know how to talk, and you know how to do the thing. But you live completely different Sunday afternoon through Saturday night in the wee hours of Sunday. If that's where you are, any of those or anything in between or anything else, we tend to do this the same way. We tend to do this the same way. Church on church doesn't matter. Now, it's very subtle. So as I describe this process, I'd like you to listen carefully. I'd like you to listen carefully and see if you can tell where this goes off the tracks spiritually, biblically. Okay? Because it's very subtle. I want you to see if you can do that. Here it is. We convince ourselves we need another New Year's resolution. We need to... We're going to make our lives better, right? So something good that demands more effort, more morality, more behavior modification, more dedication to this cause than we've ever exerted before. We, we do want Jesus' plan that, that we just looked at in Jeremiah 17. We do want that. I mean, that's, that's the blessed life. Who doesn't? Um, but there's this thing that, you know, the we want to be the, the tree, the strong tree that endures and doesn't worry and the roots and the water and the life source and the fruit. But there's this thing, there's this thing that's stopping us. And, and, and that may be the thing that you want to do away from, do away with. That would be sin, right? Um, something bad in your life that, that you want to um, address. And you need to have your particular thing now, okay? It's in your mind. Good. Um, and if you could just stop doing this thing that is draining the life out of you or, or start doing this other thing, that then, then your life would be great or, or at least better, right? If we could just pour our effort and, and, and our strength, all, all of our effort into stopping this or starting this and committing to it, then, then our lives are going to be better. And, and we'd have more of that fruit, the love, the joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We'd have, we'd have more of that, and then that's a good thing, you know? Because this thing is the reason why you're a lousy parent. This thing is the reason why, as a husband, you're more of a bully than a guardian, or you're not leading your family spiritually. This thing is the reason that you're a nagging and controlling wife. This thing is the reason that you're a selfish, hypercritical, manipulative friend, or an out-of-control partier, or whatever it is. Whatever it is. And I'm not free from this. I, I mean, you know, that's the list of stuff I am. Um, by grace, he's delivering us, right? Um, so if we could just stop doing that thing, if we could only start doing the other thing, that's the problem and that's the solution. So here's the plan, right? You've identified the problem. You're going to put on your game face and you're going to go out there and kick butt, right? Not only kick butt, we're going to kick butt like we've never kicked butt before, right? We are going to do this thing because, um, we're, we're going to stop this addiction, this attitude, this habit. We're going to put an end to this behavior because this garbage stops now. And I say way to go because many of the things that, that you're thinking about right now need to stop and, and are bad things and are robbing the life out of us. But uh, if it's a good thing, you're going to start doing that. You're going to kick this thing. We're going to embrace it. We're going to do it. We're going to, you know, we're going to start going to class 
more than once every two weeks. We're going to start coming to church more than once a month. We're going to um, we're going to start doing all these good things that that we. Um, that we know we should do. We're going to start reading our Bible every morning. We're going to start spending time with our wife. We're going to start investing in our kids. We're going to start being a better friend. We're going to start being part of a life group. We're going to start tithing. Whoa, Tom, don't get carried away. Okay. We're going to start doing all those things. And I say way to go because all of those are good things and we ought to be doing them. So here's, here's our plan, right? We get all stoked up for this because you can do it. You got the motivation. You got the willpower to quote Michael Jackson. You're going to make a change for once in your life. You're going to feel real good. Going to make a difference. Going to make it right. Sing along if you know the words. You know, you're stoked up for this. You know where it's going. You know where it's going. You can do anything you set your mind to. You're going to listen to I Believe I Can Fly 52 times and get chills every time. And you're convinced that you can. You can fly like a G6 or whatever you got. You really believe that, and it's a little bit scary. Stay away from high places. But you're pumped up. You're pumped up. You're going to do it. Did you see where this plan left the tracks? Did you see where this plan left Jesus? Did you see where this plan left the gospel? Because in that, if we do that, we're trying to fix ourselves, and in so doing, we're mocking Jesus Christ. Because we don't even realize what the real problem is. We don't even realize what the real solution is. And even as we try to improve our lives, we're mocking him, spitting on his cross, and running into sin and destruction. And that's pretty shocking. Because what I just described is what you will hear in many, many churches. I'm going to give you three quick reasons what why this is and what we need to do. And, and then we'll, we'll end there. The first is that we miss the problem. The problem is we miss the problem. We're focusing on the wrong thing. The first thing we're missing is that the one thing that sets all of this life of blessing, this life of the tree, this New Year's resolution that Jesus has for us, we've missed we missed in all that. The key is to trust in Jesus. Let's look at Jeremiah 17, 7 again. The, the linchpin for all of this, for all of this to happen is this. Blessed is the man who does what? Trusts in the Lord. And just in case you and I think that that means that we've got this spiritual side of us, that we've compartmentalized, and in our spiritual life, we're going to trust in Jesus. But we also trust in other things. The Bible goes on and says, whose trust is the Lord. That means there is no other trust. This is what we throw our whole weight on. Jesus Christ is the thing that we depend on, the person we depend on. He is the God who is our hope. He is the God who is our life supply. He is the God who is our future. He is the God who is our strength. He is the God who is our rescuer. And if he doesn't come through, none of this happens. So I'm trusting 100% completely in all aspects of my life, my relationships, my money, my work, my friends, my future, my everything, 
my health, it rests on him. I'm trusting in him, and in him, I'm going to have all of this, and I'm not going to get it any other way. We have to trust in the Lord. We have to trust in the Lord. We have to put our whole reliance on that, not our effort to change. We end up focusing on the things in our life that are wrong or the things in our life that we want to make right. And we've missed it because it comes through trust in the Lord. Now, in case, in case I've gotten you misled, I'm not saying that all of that, you and I said Bible reading and prayer and life groups and connecting in gospel community and all that beautiful stuff. I'm not saying that's bad. That's highly desirable. But in Jesus' life, there were two groups of people who did all these things. And on the outside might look the same. And that's the subtlety. That's where it comes in. You had the Pharisees who knew, who had so many Bible verses memorized. And they tied and they did this and they did that. Yet they did not have hearts that were transformed by Jesus Christ. They would not submit to him in repentance and humility and say, I'm going to trust in you fully. They were trusting in their own righteousness. And the other group is the apostles who pressed into Jesus, who had growing intimacy with Jesus, who were day by day surrendering more and more to Jesus. And so they were in the word. They were praying. They were doing all of these things. But it was out of a transformed heart and relationship with Jesus Christ in whom they placed all their trust. And on the outside, they may look the same. And in the spirit, they couldn't have been farther apart. One was death and one was life. And this is why it's subtle. And that's why it's dangerous to church people. Because so much of the time we've been told, do this, do this, do this, do this. This, don't do that. Don't do that and don't do that. And if you do, you'll gain the righteousness of Christ and the favor of God. And this says trust in the Lord and not your own righteousness. Trust in the Lord. When you think you can do it yourself, trust in the Lord. When you're sure you can't, trust in the Lord. When it makes sense, trust in the Lord. When it makes no sense, trust in the Lord. That's how we become the tree. That's how we become the tree. Number two, we're going to back up a couple of verses in Jeremiah 2, verse 5 and verse 6. <clears throat> Trust in ourself will kill us. Worse than that, it mocks Jesus and it spits on its cross. See, in trying to do all these good things in our own strength, that has absolutely nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Even if they're God-honoring things, if you're trying to do them in your own strength, you see the gospel is not do better. The gospel is not try harder. The gospel is not be more moral. Jesus didn't come for that. He was coming for the people who couldn't try harder, who didn't want to do better, who, who knew that they, that they couldn't be moral people. The law is there to show us that we need a Savior. The gospel is not try harder. It is not moralism. It is trusting in Jesus Christ and him crucified, period, end of story. What does it say? This is, this is the antithesis of what he wants. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man. And he doesn't say this like he's wanting to smack you. He's warning you because it's his child and he, he wants you home and he wants you blessed. Cursed is the man who does what? Trusts in man, trusts in himself, trusts in herself and makes flesh his strength, 
her strength. Do not trust. Do not trust in your looks, in your, in your charm, in your smarts, in your talents, in your work ethic, not even in your religion. Don't trust in your money. Don't even trust in the gifts that God has given you. Trust in the one who has given the gift. That's how subtle it is. We trust in ourselves, and we are cursed. And this is what the world, this is what the world will tell you to do. And this is what the church will tell you to do. See this? This is a list of all the good things. Go do it. This is a list of all the bad things. Stop doing it. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus Christ did all the things on the good side, none of the things on the bad side. He lived that life that you and I could not live, and he died the death that our disobedience deserved. I deserve to be on the cross, not him. You deserve to be on the cross, not him. It says the payment, the wages of sin is death. He said, no, no, no. I love you too much. I don't want you to suffer that. I'll take that on myself, every bad thing that's ever been done to you, every bad thing you've ever done. I'm going to take that on myself. I'm going to the cross. I'm paying the price. And I'm going to rise again so that not only is your debt paid, but I can put new life in you just as I rose. New hope, new forgiveness. That's what we trust in. We trust in the gospel. We trust in Jesus and him crucified. That's it. Not ourselves. Make flesh his strength. Why? What, is, what happens when we trust in ourselves? We do all those things we just discussed. Our hearts turn away, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Trusting in yourself, you're going to ball up all your effort, and you're going to go do all this stuff. You're going to not do all this stuff. Even if the Word of God calls you to that, if you do it in your own strength, the Bible says your righteousness is like filthy bathroom rags. The only righteousness is the righteousness that is a gift that Jesus won for us. Going on, the next verse. 17.6. That person who trusts in himself is like a shrub. You don't even get to be a tree anymore. Now you're a shrub. This is like a big weed. Okay, so now you're a shrub in the desert, you're not in the water, you're in the desert, and shall not see any good come. Not see any good come. Not in this life, not in the life to come. It doesn't matter how much you accomplish, it doesn't matter how much you achieve, it doesn't matter how much you earn, it doesn't matter how much you accumulate, it will leave you empty. You will not see any good come. He shall dwell, where? In the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Why is it uninhabited? There are other people who have trusted in themselves. They're dead. This is the place where no life is. It can't be because the source of life is removed from it. The place of death. That is where we live when we trust in ourselves. That is what happens when we turn away from trusting entirely in the Lord. That's what happens. That's what happens to our heart. And that's the third point. That's the third point. This thing that you want to stop doing this thing that you want to start doing is not the issue. It's not really the problem. It's a heart problem. If you doubt me, look ahead. Right after these verses, it goes to Jeremiah 17.9. 
talks about trusting in ourselves. It talks about trusting in the Lord. It's a heart thing. And here he says, the heart is deceitful above all things. We can fool our hearts. It will lead us in ways. That we, why? Because it turns away from God. It is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. It's a heart issue. What I mean by this, what does God mean by this? That your problem, you don't have a problem with alcohol. You don't have a problem with drugs. You don't have a problem with greed and money and debt. You don't have a problem with porn. You don't have a problem with sex. You don't have a problem with laziness. You don't have a problem with lack of discipline. You don't have a problem with anger and rage. You don't have a problem with bitterness and unforgiveness. You don't have a problem with not giving. You don't have a problem of of any kind, whatever is in your mind. You have a problem. You and I have a problem where? In our hearts. And here's what church people try to do. They try to fix all this stuff on the outside. On the outside. And it's a train wreck. It's a train wreck. Why? Because you don't get at the, the inside, the root cause of this. It's the heart. But you see, when people come up to me and say, you know, I can't control this area of my life or this area of my life. It's just running amok. What do I do? I said, that's not your problem. It's just what's growing out of a heart that needs Jesus to transform it. I need to study more. I need to follow him more. I need to stop sleeping around. I need to stop. You fill in the blank. How do I do that? What, what, what people really want is three. You, you do this. You go here. You do this. There are practical ways to address it. But unless we get a transformed heart, the root problem doesn't go away. It just crops up some other way. We get a different kind of sin. So it goes two ways. If, you, if you're trying to really improve your life through your own strength, if you're trying to stop doing things and start doing things, it goes one of two ways. Either, like many of us, you're really bad at it, right? And, and, and one of two things can happen there. Either you go into despair and you ditch Jesus, or you're really bad at it and you say, the Bible doesn't work, God doesn't work, he's not there, and we go live wild any way we want because there is no God and we ditch Jesus that way. Or we're having reasonable success plucking the weeds out on the outside, right? Us church people, we're, we're, we're doing a lot of the good stuff. We're not doing a lot of the bad stuff, right? So what happens then if you are a little bit good at it? Then you get self-righteous. Then you get self-righteous. You start looking down on everybody who's not as good as you. When Jesus looks at where? at the heart. It doesn't matter if you're trying to gain righteousness from the outside in. He's interested in growing it from the inside out. These are all the things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that Jesus died to give you as a free gift, his righteousness. This is called the great exchange, where he takes on all our sin and he exchanges his righteousness. That is the only righteousness that counts. That counts. Either way, whether through our own strength we fail or through our own strength we're doing pretty good, we ditch Jesus. I want you to get this, and and some of you may smirk and and send me an email, but again, I'm a big boy. But you need to understand this, that obedience that does not come 
from a heart that is transformed by the person, grace, and cross of Jesus Christ. I'll say it again. Obedience that does not come from a heart that is transformed by the person and grace and cross of Jesus Christ is not obedience. It is a sham, and it spits on the cross of Jesus and says, I don't really need a Savior. So regardless of what we look like on the outside, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. I want the fruit. I, I, I want to be the tree. I want to have, be planted by the living water. I want my roots to go out and, and drink from the stream. And I don't want to be worried about the heat. And I don't want to be anxious about the drought. And I want that fruit hanging off every branch of my life all the time in every way. And I hope you do too. Here's the good news. You can have it, but there's only one way. Trust, trust, trust in the Lord and not in yourself. And allow him to transform our hearts. From a transformed heart come everything. Your heart is the wellspring of life. Everything we think, everything we do, everything we say, everything we want to change comes out of our heart. So it stands to reason if the heart changes, the behavior, the words, the attitudes, the actions, the thoughts, they all change too. So we're focusing on the wrong thing and we're looking for strength in the wrong place. And Jesus is saying, I got you covered. I got you covered. I can do that great exchange because I went to the cross in your place as your substitute for your sins. It's paid. The bad stuff is paid for. And what's better, I'm transferring my righteousness, my obedience, my good standing to you in faith. And I'm rising again to give you new life, new hope, new forgiveness, a new chance to be the tree. Trust in me. Trust in me. And nothing else. Let's pray.